Hello, hello, hello. Two things you should know before you listen to this podcast. Well, the main topic of this episode is Quentin Tarantino. We barely scratched the surface, and I hope to come back to him in a future episode. Second thing is there's a section during this episode where Kevin and I have a discussion about a more difficult topic, and while my opinion hasn't changed, I do regret my defensiveness, and I wish I hadn't taken such a harsh tone at certain moments. I believe that people should be able to have discussions with one another without too much emotion and passion getting involved, and I'm going to be working to get better at this. If you have differing opinions, please let me know, and we can discuss it on the podcast. I would love to have you on. Without further ado, here is a Quentin Tarantino joint. You have any bones to pick this week? Uh, no bones. No bones this week. Are you sure? Because we got we got called out by a very famous figure in the film industry this week. Machine Gun Kelly? No, we got we got called out on Roger Deakins' podcast. Oh, what did he say? He said that he doesn't like our takes. He doesn't mm. agree with your opinion on Inception. Mm. And he thinks we could improve greatly. Well, tell him that he hasn't won an Oscar in how many years? <laughs> well, he won one a few months ago. <laughs> Wait, for what? He, he won, won for nineteen seventeen. Yes, he did. Oh my god! No. Do you think? Do you think Roger Deakins is the only cinematographer that people know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I think people would could say like, "Well, I like this movie, and I think that's the same guy." But when it comes to names, I don't think people would be able to identify them oh yeah but like i think and even me to a certain extent when i watch movies i i i can't identify who it is a good amount of the time yeah you know how many names do you think you would be able to name off the top of your head is is david villain vanilla vanilla wave uh (laughs) (laughs) is that it he's the director he's the director of Blade Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and his cinematographer is Anton Yelchin. <laughs> An- Anton Yelchin, the the deceased actor. You are right. He he did cinematography when he wasn't acting in Star Trek. And the Green Room. What else? Oh, and Thoroughbreds. Oh my God, he he was actually he was actually on a roll, wasn't he? He was really good in Thoroughbreds, which is oh. a bummer. Oh, what a shame. I'm sorry. I wrote everybody down. <laughs> Died in why- such a horrible way too. That's not how I want to go. No. Yeah. And, like, thank God, because I don't like fast cars. You know how like, you, you feel you feel good that, like, you won't die a certain way because you're, like, completely adverse to, like, that kind of living? You know, like, I'm not going to be stung by a stingray. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you know? So, how, do you, like, how do you think he died? Car accident. No, it's even worse than that. Oh, right? So he was in a Jeep, and he was in his driveway, and he... I think the car was in park and the brake was set and he went to go get the mail, but that kind of car had a brake malfunction. And so the car rolled forward and crushed him between the mailbox and the car. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. I'm, I'm, let me revise my statement. But you're also immune because you don't drive. Yeah. Cause I walked to the mailbox. <laughs> First of all, what was he doing driving to the mailbox? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We love Anton here. 
yeah, he was fantastic, big talent. But uh, you're you're not going to be going out like Paul Walker did. No, no, no. And if it is, I would have to be in like like their car, which I guess is also another. So uh, I think that's a great time to segue into what we're talking about today. Uh, what are we talking about today, Kevin? Uh, Quentin Tarantino. And how do you feel about Quentin Tarantino? I like him. <laughs> I I I I think I think his newer stuff is starting to wane a little bit, but for the most part, he's good. Do you think he's overrated? Uh, that's a tough question. I think because I think he's fine. I don't think, but some people love him, right? Some people think he's like the the god of like his kind of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I and 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 he's probably the best at what he does, but I don't think he's like the greatest filmmaker of all time. And that I was thinking about that because I don't think he's I don't think he's underrated. I don't think he's overrated. I think he is really important and an important voice in American cinema. Yeah. But I agree with you. He he's not the best of all time, but he is still very important. And I was thinking about if he is overrated who is correctly rated but see that's the thing everyone has like different opinions and stuff right mm-hmm. because like i don't i feel that people have has caught on to nolan's uh shtick you know i'd be like all right he's fine yeah and i think i think he's definitely overrated right so so in some circles nolan is overrated in other circles he's he's like okay people have like you know he's like he's they, they, they he's the greatest he's of all to. time yeah 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 i i i i don't know I think, so that's a tough question to answer for really anybody. Who do you think? I would say Stanley Kubrick would be up there. Mm. It's fun. It, like, see, that's the thing about dying when, when you're on top, right? It's because, like, you, you, you retire with the belt, you know? Because you and I both know <laughs> that he would have, he definitely would have directed Emoji Movie if he was alive to this day. And it would have been gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it would have been great. Yeah, yeah. They would have had the emojis like doing the same. He would have had them animated doing the same actions so many times until they got exhausted. He would have psychologically tortured the happiness emoji. What do you think is his worst? Is it Eyes Wide Shut? His worst like big movie? Well, and that that's the thing. When you say worst. Today we're talking, we're talking about Quentin Tarantino. All right, what do you think is Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> overrated movie? His most overrated movie? Well, here's the thing. I I hadn't seen death proof and i hadn't seen jackie brown and i finally was able to watch them and i liked both of them i don't think he's ever made a bad movie and by bad i mean i don't want to be watching it he's made movies that have more flaws than others more flaws than 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 gains not not flaws that make it a bad movie but if you're comparing say Pulp Fiction and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there is a definite definite difference there. What do you What do you think? Uh, I haven't seen Jackie Brown. It's still on my Netflix queue. You like, haven't seen Jackie yeah, I, Brown? A year and a half. It's still been on my Netflix queue. It's really good, and it's it feels very unlike him. Yeah, it's very it. it he doesn't regard. He doesn't rely on his violent tropes. Yeah, it feels very adult, and it's. A little disappointing to see he hasn't worked in that realm again. And I don't know if it's because, like, that's what he wants to do or, like, that's what, like, you know, like, people expect him to do or, like, what it is. But I don't know. Maybe he's just, like, yeah. I think it's a mixture of expectations and ego. 
because we we know he has a giant ego. But like at some at, at some point though, like do you, is is this him saying that he doesn't want to like ex- grow as an artist anymore? And that's like critical of me to say, but like I don't know, like it's it's up to him. It is up to him. What do you? Th- what is your favorite of his that you've seen? Uh, it's a tie between Reservoir Dogs and Bear Jew. Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> wow. The, the spinoff, the Bear Jew. When I actually get Alzheimer's, imagine how bad that'll get. <laughs> it's six months. <laughs> hi, hi, Daniel. How are you? Where am I? Kevin, it's me, Sahir. <laughs> Sahir? <laughs> Sahir, come here. We should just leave it to your shout out and just like that and just you. not say anything to. <laughs> s- yeah, <laughs> she would be mad. Kevin, don't you love our friend Sierra? Yes, Daniel, our friend Sierra is one of my favorite people. Uh, but yeah, look. So to me, it would be a tie between Inglorious Bastards and Reservoir Dogs. I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs in a while, but what, as soon as I watched that. I, that might have been one of the first Tarantino movies I've ever seen. I saw it, I was like, the writing in this is genius, and I want to see more of this guy. <laughs> I've only seen it once, and I really enjoyed it the time I saw it, but I've never been tempted to revisit it, because it feels very small and confined compared to his his follow-up movies that travel a lot and have a lot of locations. And Reservoir Dogs is Tim Roth bleeding on the ground for 90 minutes. What I like about Tarantino is that you have a a clear sense of his themes throughout a lot of his movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Like Inglorious and Django, you like themes of revenge, like Echo, like very, very clearly that the whole thing. The plot itself is like pretty simple, but like the execution, I think, is like very well done. And the same as, as Reservoir Dogs. I mean... I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 finding out who's who, who's the rat, pretty much, you know, and he spends the whole movie just exploring it in such like granular detail and like really letting you live in the world. And I think he does it very well. And he's only gotten better at it, and sometimes yeah. worse. Yeah, Hollywood, we'll get to. <laughs> we'll get to. I I think I would have to say it's a tie for me between Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. because I feel like Pulp Fiction is a reflection of his love of Americana, the pulp novels that he drew inspiration from. It it just reflects him so well, while Inglorious Bastards, I think, is such a such a tight plot that I love watching from start to finish, and I've never gotten tired of it. I was playing D and D with my friends the other day, and then and we were waiting for one of us to show up, and then I just turned it on, and we ended up watching like the whole thing. <laughs> you put on Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah, I just did like for like a couple scenes because that's a great movie for, to just watch a couple scenes. But the flow is so good that you're like, oh yeah, okay, next is this scene. Oh yeah, that's right, next is this scene. Oh yeah, that's next is this scene. You know, it's like why you were talking about it being tight. It's it's it, it's completely that. It, it has amazing flow and it's very tight. It might be his most like uh watchable movie it builds and builds and builds perfectly if you Mm. wanted to look at perfect structure i think you would look at that because it i think it fits that the rising action graph and then climax and then drop and then it's done yeah he has a clip 
on YouTube where he talks about tension as being like this rubber band that he just manipulates and pulls. Have you seen that clip? I have. He pull- yeah. he he pulls it until it snaps yeah. or almost snaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a, he, he he did it with that movie. I don't know if he if if he did it so much. And we keep and we keep returning back to Hollywood, but, but we'll get there. What do you think his weaknesses are? His weaknesses? Yeah, I think he I think he sometimes focuses on the wrong thing, but like I, I mean, You're giving me an example. That's not Hollywood. No. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. If you didn't like, I I like Hateful Eight, right? But the thing is, I was watching the I was watching the, the 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 director's cut of it, and the thing is four hours long. I loved it. Uh, I loved all four hours, but like that may not may not be a thing for everybody. And did you watch it all in one sitting, or did you watch it in the episodic format that they released it in? Uh, I watched one. I I watched the I watched the carriage, uh, uh episode in one sitting. And then, and then, and then later, I watched the three in 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 a separate sitting. Okay, so you you kind of split it up into one hour and then three hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a big commitment to ask for anybody to watch all four hours. Of it. Did you like Hateful Eight? I do like Hateful Eight. I like it a lot. I think it's when I watched it the second time, I appreciated all the background detail because when there's characters talking in the foreground, every time there's something. Every time you look over their shoulder, one of the other characters is doing something. Mm. So it feels very lived in. Yeah. Like watching a play, yeah. 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 Yeah, I love it. It reminds, you, it reminds me of Reservoir Dogs, but, you know, less tight. Then that's what I'm noticing when I'm looking into later Quentin Tarantino. I don't know if this is something that he just wants to do. He just wants to play more loose. But to me, his best was when he was tight. Mm-hmm. I think it may have something to do with his longtime editor passing away after Inglorious Bastards came out. Because if you, in my opinion, if you look at Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they all have pacing issues in some way. Mm-hmm. And if you if you look at Django Unchained, I think it builds really well, and then you have that big shootout, and then you have forty more minutes of movie. Yeah. And so that when I was talking to you about preparing for this episode in my my ranking of his films, I had put Django Unchained pretty low because that was a pretty big fault. Yeah, because it 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 does just hit slam on the brakes after after the energy raises. I think to a lot of people the movie ended after um Jamie Foxx got captured. Mhm. <laughs> Like, 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 after, after, uh, <clears throat> what's-his-face dies, he should have just, like, gone and killed everybody in the house, and that should have been the ending. And I think another thing is, because Tarantino has such a big ego, he is unwilling to make the make it shorter and cut anything. Here's the thing with Django Unchained that makes me feel conflicted about putting it so low, is I really like the confrontation between Django and Steven, which is sort of the second climax. But at the same time, my instinct is to is feeling like it's slowed down drastically. I like the uh the 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 the, the interplay between him and the and Waltz. 
And when he died, it it just kind of died for me because like there was so much you you could do with the, with with those two characters, you know, because yeah, they both want they both want revenge in a way, but there's this one owns the other, you know. And I wanted them to kind of explore that a little bit more, but they just kind of like left it there. I was like, oh, there are some white people who are good, but I'm like, how does how does Django feel about this? I guess I don't know. He doesn't own him. No, he doesn't own him. But like, there's but I I, I don't know. There's. Like I, I could watch a show of, with with those two, you know, and them those two just going on adventures, you know. That, that's that's what it felt like to me. Django and Doctor King Schultz. Mm-hmm. And I think the the most recent time that I watched Django Unchained, it's been a while. Holy shit! It may have been four years since I watched it in my Western class, but I really appreciated Christoph Waltz's arc in it. Yeah, Be- because he goes from this. Not complacent white man, but someone who is ignoring the horrors of slavery, and then it's pushed in his face so much, and then he finally snaps and shoots Leo, and then he gets killed for it, and I think that's a great... It is a great arc, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why, which is why, which is why I said that when he dies, at that point, it felt like the movie should have ended, you know? Because he's a main character, and his arc just ended, you know? And so, like, what's, like, I, because if you, if you look at it on, on paper, it's very thin. The Django Unchained, right? And, and I guess the second part was Tarantino looking for a reason for it not to be thin, because people, because it's like, how, how do you follow up in Glorious, right? It has layers upon layers of depth, but yet a story so simple, you know? And so when he, Tarantino, like, made what he made, he's like, oh, I, this needs more depth. I better have a section with just Django now. I don't know. There's probably more to that movie that I'm not getting. Well, I, I think I think Django's arc is fantastic too because you have this this freed slave who is finally given the opportunity to live as a human and he he grows as a person and then finally he has reached his full potential at the end and then f- confronts the other slave who has gone in the opposite direction in the Samuel L. Jackson, who has, in, in a way, turned his back on his race for his own benefit. Yeah, what happens to him at the end? I forget. What happens to Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. He blows the house up with him in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why he needed to be... How 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 does he get caught? So he... The big shootout happens, and he runs out of ammo, and the house is surrounded... And so he's caught and then they are preparing to send him to the to some awful working situation where he's going to work until he dies. And he talks his way out of he talks his way out of it and winds up back at the back at the big house. Yeah. See, I don't I don't like that. I I don't like that setup because it's not through his actions that that he's caught again. You know, he just kind of ran out of ammo. Hmm. It's like, it's not like a character reason for him to be there, you know? He wasn't, like, overconfident. He wasn't, like, arrogant or something, you know? If it was something that he did that made him get into that situation, and then he overcame that to make him get out of that situation, then I would feel that you would have an arc. But I feel like that the ending is just kind of like, what, what, why, why are you doing here? <laughs> but you don't feel like Christoph Waltz's arc being brought as far as it can go is a good enough reason to continue the movie uh that should i mean it makes more sense to use that as an impetus right for Django to like say hey this is you're right yeah like this this is bullshit 
and then he he blows up the house after Kristoff gives his life. That that, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I forget the I forget his character's name. Doctor King Schultz. No, oh. I liked his 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 dentist carriage. I'm a dentist. Yeah. Do you think that was his last great movie? He's definitely done his best work with Tarantino, and I don't think I could say another movie that he's been in where I've been like. That was as good as, yeah. Yeah. And he's won two Oscars with Tarantino. Yeah. Are you surprised that he wasn't in Hollywood? Well, who would he have played? Bruce Lee. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) But uh, I think that's a good time to switch over to Hollywood. What is your issue with Hollywood? I have many. I have many issues. First of all... (laughs) I I gotta... Do you need to drink some water or something? Probably. Let me get some water. I feel like with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you kind of, you get the idea of what he's trying to do, but you don't know how he feels about it and what theme he wants to convey with it, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is that this is uh, like like a fantasy world of Hollywood, right? Of like what it should have been, you know? This is like where, where redemptions happen, you know? And people, and, and people go out like in a way that they deserve to. He does a good job in showing that, but I don't know how he feels about it. I mean, like, I mean, I guess, like, he feels like this is what should have happened, but, like, that that's not a theme, you know? It's just more, like, stuff happening. And that was my biggest problem with this movie, because there were things that would just happen, and I would have no idea why. <laughs> like, the Brad Pitt's entire character arc, or his lack thereof one, or Margot Robbie's character, I was like, what, 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 is, what is the point of you? And... I feel like that really happens to film. I think in that one, it is purely a love letter. And Sharon Tate falls into that category. He 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 loves this time period and everything about it so much that uh, through Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, it's sort of giving the period another chance. Yeah, you ended up with a question mark there. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm I've, I'm never sure. Because the first time I saw it, I was I was caught off guard by how by how different it was than any other Tarantino movie. There's no plot; it's just it's a it's a hangout movie. And that's kind of where I was coming from. Uh, and people were comparing it to Pulp Fiction. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Pulp Fiction had like a, a, a had a had a, a narrative. <laughs> There's stuff going on in Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah, yeah, and like and and Rick Dalton has has has. Uh, a, a, an arc I guess you know he comes from like he has he's he's an old aging western star and he gets his 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 his, his start again and then he loses it and then he gets started again in, in Italy and then he just but it, it he's just, on his way out and then he's given a chance yeah but it doesn't really seem like his character overcame really anything you know or any character in that movie really overcomes anything I, th- I think what you have to do is you have to look at Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth as having the arc in the movie. Sharon Tate is just part of the falls into the category of stuff that Tarantino wants to write a love letter to. And Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton are on their way out. But maybe by preventing this awful event that happened in real life, they're given a second chance. I don't know. Yeah, we're all <laughs> we're, we're all, all confused. Gra- we're grasping it stuff here and like look at his other love letters right like inglorious was a love letter to 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 
Was it a, a comic series? A graphic novel? Or was it? it was completely... Oh, it's all me? Yeah. Okay, well, it was a love letter to, like, films during that era, I guess, right? And But it, ha- it has such a strong plot, so it falls back on that. Right. So, you can do it justice and also tell a story. And I think that that's that's doing it the 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 the, the ultimate justice is like con- making you feel the same way like it felt when you were in like those the, the the those movies. And I don't and I didn't really get that from Hollywood. Do you think Hollywood is your least favorite of his movies? Yeah. Have you seen Death Proof? No, I have not. Do you count that out as a movie of his? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. You watch it and it's still it's it's his love letter to grindhouse films is bruce dern in that no Mm. it's kurt russell yeah and he's fantastic but he can't help but make it interesting so even though it's it's supposed to be paying an homage to grindhouse cinema it still has way more depth than anything you would have seen from that (laughs) grindhouse cinema ever had yeah and I think that's that's what's what Tarantino's strengths are because he's he he's he's paying homage a lot, like in Pulp Fiction. He it's to that gritty gritty crime novels you may pay a twenty five cents for at a bookstore, but he just he elevates it to such a level and with such care that it turns it into art. But if we are going to talk about him elevating what he's doing, though, I will say like I, I do have to give it up for for Hollywood, like it. It it does have like some scenes in that movie that are that are very well done. My favorite scene in that movie is him and that little girl. Do you remember? Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> like on paper, it's like it's very simple, right? It's just him, like and this girl who's like really intellectual and really studious, and he's just got this tiny little book, <laughs> and he's just trying to like it's 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 him like wrestling with like the youth, right? Literally, and it's just executed so perfectly in which the charm you just is is extracted from both of them so well and every time those two had a scene together i'm like i had a big grin on my face so we so it, it it's executed really great it just, it, it just doesn't know where it's headed what would you give hollywood out of 10 probably six i think it may be a seven for me i think i i want to watch it again with the lens of when was the last time you saw it i watched it three weeks ago okay so fairly recently Mm-hmm. Watched a lot of Tarantino during this quarantine. What do you think? Is is this his worst movie for you to do? Maybe. I'd have to watch Django Unchained again to see how, if it's poor pacing for me, really pulls me out of it. Mm-hmm. Other than uh, Hollywood, what do you think would be next up on the list? On the low end. On the low end? Do you uh, like Kill Bill? Oh, I haven't seen Kill Bill. <laughs> what? I think I I think you do that on some level. I tell everybody this. I haven't seen Kill Bill. How have you not seen Kill Bill? How have we spent this entire episode not talking about Kill Bill? How have we not? <laughs> how are we having a Tarantino episode and you haven't seen Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, and Death Proof? Yep. Yep. What do you think about Kill Bill? <laughs> I think Kill Bill is great. I think, think it's, it's another better than uh, Django. Yes. All of them. Yeah, I think. I think overall it is paced better than Django. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Django is a really important movie, dare I say, just because it. I've, there's been a lot of criticism of if it handles slavery in a proper way. 
I think it does. Maybe that's not for me to say, but I think it has a powerful critique and depicts the horrors of slavery very well. I haven't talked to a I haven't talked to a black person that agrees that way. But I don't know. <laughs> but who it's not who who dislikes the movie or does like the movie? Who like agrees that like, yeah, this is how slavery should be depicted. <laughs> But, but he does. It doesn't shy away from it just being fucking awful and the worst but, thing ever. But is it? Is it? Is it up to him? But can he do that? Being who he is, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like oh, Kevin, I know what it's like to be a boat person fleeing from Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, you could make a movie like that, but do you? <laughs> I don't know. And. Daniel, you gotta be really careful what you say next. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you an out. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think he should be able to make what he wants, and that's his highest grossing movie. So I think that speaks for itself. Uh, uh I don't know. I think I think because he didn't he didn't get this flack with uh Inglorious City. No. Because I guess on some levels everyone was cool with killing Nazis. Which is fine, but I guess there's less of a controversy, right, of like doing this than doing Django. Why should he not be able to make this movie? Just because he's white? Even if he he handled it in a way that why that is good. <laughs> Black people should love Django Unchained. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that I think there there, there are some issues that shouldn't be approached in a way that he did it because of who he is and not and and not to say that he's a racist but to say that he is not entitled to these experiences Mm. it's like if a german guy made a really brutal uh movie about the nazis that like the nazis like ended up being the bad guys but like i I don't think the message should be coming from a German guy about like what like the stories of Jewish people. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And that this is very and 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 this is very like um you think everybody you think everybody should make any movie that 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 that, that, that they want. Yeah, I think so. Because it's like look at Mindhunter dealing with the Atlanta murder case. And the depiction of the black community in that. Is that off limits or is that a bad comparison, do you think? Oh no, I mean I I think they would I I think that's fine because it's not it isn't it, it isn't dealing with a huge traumatic thing that is the root of systemic, you know, issues within a whole racial community. Mm-hmm. It's a story that like that 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 is told with that and it, it and it conveys the issues of this the, the systematic racism in it very well but i think to make light of to make light of slavery he's not making light of slavery though i mean it's 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 it's, it's over the top right it's over the top so it it's... is so he is so you're not depicting it with like what it you know you're you're meant to laugh i mean you're not laughing at it but it's like okay this is not okay Slavery isn't, 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 like, okay, I'm not, don't take this as seriously as, as it was, so to speak, right? No, 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 because I think all the, 
the slavery itself is depicted as slavery should de- be depicted as horrible and awful, and all the violence against white people in the movie is depicted as comical, and we're supposed to laugh at them. Yeah, but that's not how it happened in real life. No, but it's it's a movie. But I mean, some people think there's 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 there's, there's a line, I guess. And 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 you're 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 I'm, you're. I'm very much against all lines. Yeah. Every, anybody should say the N-word. <laughs> That's not at all what I'm saying. And you're dealing it with this, and I think giving it inappropriate light. No, I, I I think Django Unchained is a controversial movie, and I feel like it's it it's good that it's controversial. It's good that like people are not just like completely okay with like something like this. You know what I'm saying? Because if if everybody thought one mind about it, then like it would it would. It, it would suppress discussion and i think discussion is 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 very one very interesting and two very important mm-hmm. i can't wait for mulan <laughs> do you think mulan <laughs> mulan's not gonna be good no no it's not but i want it but yeah that director not. that director's not asian is that a bad thing that it's no i actually don't care about mulan <laughs> It probably, I, I wonder if, how well it would have done, though. It probably would have made a billion dollars. You think so? I feel like a lot of people remember Mulan for the music. Did you? Yeah, but I I think, I think it would have been really big in China. People love, I think it would have been a really big live action cat, cow for them. But uh, getting back to Tarantino real quick. Because that's what we're talking about. God, how do we get back on track? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. This has been famous. This has been Movie Men. I'm Kevin. <laughs> what do you think are his his weaknesses as a filmmaker? Um, you start, and then I'll and then I'll go up yours. I think he's a little in love with himself, and he thinks he's the greatest writer of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's he's sort of an ob- ob- obnoxious person because I think he won a Golden Globe this past year, and he said, uh, "Normally, you you thank people who who helped you out, but I was my own inspiration for this one, so I'm pretty great." And it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that in his films? I think any pacing issue you've seen, uh-huh. and he, and being overindulgent. His, yes. Ah. Uh... And I, I think he would make a better movie if he maybe if his if his longtime editor was still around. Yeah, he now he just cuts him himself. <laughs> the final cut seven. <laughs> I I I I would agree with you on that one, but at the same time though, like it's that line of the auteur, you know what I'm saying? If you let too many people in, whose vision is it? So, I don't know. I'm I'm really curious about what would have happened if his if Sally Menke was uh still alive to edit his films i wonder if they would have been better yeah tighter because we watched the um the last time we watched once upon a time in hollywood we watched the cut scenes and we were all asking ourselves why was this even filmed no really yeah what why would anyone i haven't seen them what 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 what, were they anything of note not really there's a almost a 10 minute long sequence that takes place in the world of mm-hmm. the TV show that Cl- uh Rick Dalton is filming 
and um it's it's all timothy oliphant and luke perry who don't have big roles in the movie itself and it just gives them even more time and you're like why and i know tarantino was behind the camera just so 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 happy to be filming and giggling but didn't need to be filmed could have saved a lot of time and it was edited too (laughs) it was and and color corrected and yeah so this is his ninth film it is and he says he's gonna retire after 10 you believe that uh i don't want it to be true but you want to go out on top right if this is where he's headed then that's fine with me (laughs) and maybe that's maybe that's a mean thing to say he says he wants his um he wants to do a biopic about john brown the abolitionist okay so that that would be interesting. I w- I would be curious to see that. Hmm. That would be interesting. Um, but is that is that slated? Is, is is that his official idea for his last movie? No, there's he's there's a bunch of things. He okay. he wants to do a bounty law TV show. What the hell? Which is the 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 TV show that was in the movie Rick Dalton was yeah. on. Yeah. There's a a Django Zorro series <laughs> planned, written by Gerard Carm. Carmichael with but Jamie Foxx. I think I think he's signed up for it, but it's in very early production phase. That's interesting. Okay. But they want Antonio Banderas to come back, but I oh. don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. And there was also talk of Tarantino directing a Star Trek movie. See that th- I I would like to see that. Someone tweeted, "I'm really curious what the N word sounds like in Klingon." <laughs> First of all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I would like to. I would like. I. I. I am actually interested in, in all of those projects. So maybe he should like take like like not never work on the last movie and just like <laughs> just do a bunch of this stuff. And he just had a wife. He has a wife and kid now. So oh, recently? Maybe he's, yeah, fairly oh. recently. Oh, okay. How old is he? He's in his fifties. Hmm. That's actually. Uh, he's actually younger than I than, than I thought he would he'd be. What do you think his strengths are as a filmmaker? I think he's able to cast very well. I think, and may, and maybe this is like the, the casting directors like like uh, working with him, but like he, but I don't. I there's not a single miscast person in one of his movies. I think, and I don't, and 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 it's probably because of a the subject matter and b like him having all these person. I guess Shanning Tatum. Uh, Shanning Tatum is that his name? Channing Tatum. Ch- yeah, <laughs> I guess him. He's he's probably a guy who'd be like, "What are you doing in here?" But like everybody else is like, "Like yes, yes, yes." That's amazing. I thought he fit pretty well too. I'm always shocked to see Channing Tatum in that show up in Hateful Eight, and Jonah Hill in Django Unchained. <laughs> Do you, does he show up? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man, what a great scene! And I think his writing, it's it's. It's still really good. I and wonder. I wonder if he just did a comedy, it would it would work out well. I wonder, because like the humor in his movies are pretty timeless if you look at it, right? So maybe, so maybe he'd, he'd do a good comedy. I don't know. None of his stuff feels really dated, does it? No. Yeah. It like it it it, it it's, it's very yeah. His use of music is fantastic too. Yeah. He's a very. He's an ama- He's an amazing executor, and I and I said this before. But it's like he just he just needs to get the right ideas to like yes great idea great execution you got it 
So I know that anything that he does, it'll be like, cool. That was great. Do you know what his writing process is? What's that? He will write essentially a novel's worth of material and then trim it down from there. I heard this story of this guy was on a flight with him and it was a long flight. And he told him the 10 hour version of Inglorious Bastards. Holy shit. <laughs> Doesn't that sound amazing? <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I feel sorry for that guy. Or <laughs> oh, I, I would eat that up. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Oh man. Probably. Probably. He should go. He should. He should just do it. Do it on Netflix. And like you can kind of tell, right? Because like when you when you see Hateful Eight, you're like, you had four hours of this shit. Two and a half hours is already a long time. <laughs> and that would be interesting to see because anyone, any any platform would be thrilled to have him do a project with them, and they would let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. And so I think that would be a good idea for have to have him shoot so much material. Do we know what his thoughts are on Netflix? I don't think he dislikes Netflix. He he does dislike having the medium of which he sh- shoots on decided for him. So if he was if he was ever made to shoot digital, he would say no. Well, they wouldn't make him do that. No, that would that they, again. They would be thrilled to have him. Yeah, probably just like a money thing then, and him like do do what he wants. I think it would be really successful if he did it. And what you see on Netflix is like they're really open about that. They'd be like, "Yeah, sure. You want you want young Joe Pesci? Yeah, here's money. Yeah, have have time. Do what you want. <laughs> you want five hundred million dollars for a movie about the forties? Okay. <laughs> Will Smith as a cop with fairies? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> It's like they didn't get to the end of the idea, and they just said, yeah, okay, go, go, go. Yeah, Will Smith, all right, go. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You said cop. I thought you said a clock. No, 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 no. A cop, yeah. What See, was that the... movie called? Bright. Ugh. How do you, how'd you forget <laughs> Bright? No one ever forget. Never forget Bright. I didn't watch it, but everything I heard about it was, like, pretty amazing. Amazing in the, in the bad way. So, uh, any final thoughts on Tarantino? Um, I hope he goes back to what he, to what he normally does. Because the pace, pacing is important. You think at this point of, in his career, it matters? Probably not. Which is why when you were talking, telling me about his other projects, there were like long drawn out stuff. <laughs> so he probably doesn't really care about pacing anymore. So I was like, if this is what you want to do, then maybe do it on Netflix. And maybe, maybe do it on, on somewhere where, you know, it's, or get, or, or get an editor is like what you said. Yeah, because like you, you and I both want him to go out on 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 a good note. I guess right. He I deserves, do. He deserves that. I know his his dream was to win. He wanted to win four best screenplay Oscars so that they would rename it the Quentin, because then he would be the winning most screenwriter. But he didn't win for Hollywood, so he'd have to do more move more than ten movies to do that. Did Hollywood win anything? Uh, Brad Pitt. Oh. One one uh, best supporting. Oh, who was the other against? It was kind of a shitty yeah. category. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I was happy with it. I like Brad. I like Brad in that movie. I like Brad in that movie. He just he just was you just didn't utilize him very well. Because he's got a lot of, he he has more range than he lets on, yeah. He does. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Brad Pitt has a great career. 
He does. What do you think of Ad Astra? I I have mixed feelings about it, but I liked him in it. Do you feel like that movie? Oh, here we are. Here we are. Do you think that movie was 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 uh uh marketed incorrectly? Yes, because they were displaying the few action set pieces in it, and they should have marketed it to the art house crowd. Now I'll tell you this: I don't know if I would have seen that movie if it was Tree of Life two in space. Not that it's Tree of Life. But, like, if I didn't, but, you know, like, there's something more interesting about a baboon tearing someone's face out in space <laughs> than him, you know, with his father being like, you gotta let me go. <laughs> but then the baboon crowd would have been mad. Exactly. And in, in 2020, you gotta, you gotta please both crowds. How are you gonna please the baboon crowd and, you know, people who want to see Tree of Life too? And this is the sad state of science fiction, right? Is that it has to lie now for people to get a good story out of it. Annihilation had to show an owl, a crocodile being shot. And it was like four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You went to Annihilation and I was like, oh, we're, we're going to see some shit here. It's like, nope, a girl turns into leaves. And it's amazing. Everybody watch Annihilation. Annihilation is fantastic. Might be the best sci-fi movie in the past decade. Oh, see, I'll say big grandiose like large statements like that, and I'll make Daniel just stop and think, and I'm like, I can't believe you just said that. You just slam on the brakes. But am I wrong? I would, ha- I would have to think about that. I have, I have a lot of, I like Annihilation a lot. I do have some problems with it that I think down. I think it's better than Arrival. Ooh, I think it's better than. I think I'll have to disagree with you on that. Oh, it's not better than Blade Runner. Oh shit, you're right. I don't know. I don't know. It's a different. It's different. I say it's time of Blade Runner. There's things in Annihilation that are ten out of ten for me, uh-huh. and then there's stuff that's five out of ten. Like what? What's five out of ten? I I would have to think about it for a little bit. What the bear? Tell me. Look at me in the eye. Look at me in the eye across the, the internet. <laughs> it's it's not it's not the bear. And tell me that was not the most terrifying thing you've ever seen in the last ten years. I'm not disagreeing with you. There's other stuff in the movie. Like what? Here's the thing uh-huh. about my memory. Uh-huh. I remember what the thoughts are that I need to remember and say, but I can't remember the specifics. And that's really frustrating. <laughs> and I come off as really pathetic and unable to back up my point. But there's something there. <laughs> I know it. That's how I feel. And <laughs> all right, we should do a sci-fi episode. Are you actually gonna watch the movies? No, but <laughs> I, I, you I, son of a bitch! I've seen more sci-fi movies than you have, probably. Like what? Like Fast of Night. Oh, that's true. I have <laughs> not watched it yet. And I, and Okja. <laughs> again, you're right. That's not a really good movie. You don't need to see Okja. Yeah, but I want to see it because Bong. It's not his best. I know, but I still want to see it. Eh, you probably shouldn't, but okay. <laughs> like, you know how you don't want someone to see a movie because it'll ruin your, like, reputation, the idea of them, and the, the idea of them is pretty good for you. Spielberg has made some absolute shit, but it doesn't take some, it doesn't take away Jaws for me. What is his, what is his most shit? What do you think? Oh, you think it's Ready Player One is his most shit? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh. I watched that recently. You think, you think, you think Ready Player One was better than that? Yes, it really? is definitely better. Yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is, not only is it a bad movie, it's offensive to Indiana Jones, <laughs> it's his legacy. 
and that's how he and that's how he goes out of. Yeah. So it's a it's that was a big bummer. What do you think of the new uh, Shia movie where he tattoos his whole body? I think it looks shitty, and you think I think so? David Ayer is a bad filmmaker, and Shia wasted a lot of pain and money to get a dumb tattoo. You didn't like End of Watch. I think that's his best movie, but that's not really saying much. I think it's like I think I think this is End of Watch too. I think that's the idea of it, right? Uh, Dylan Hall's better than Shia. I don't know what Sh- what what I don't know what Shia's best movie has been, but uh, apparently he's got some 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 cred. I don't know. I guess King I, Kingdom of Crystal Skull has just poisoned your, your your thing of him, and I guess Transformers too. Shia is not horrible in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's just that there's there's so many things wrong with that movie. Yeah, and it's it's heartbreaking. You know, I've only seen Raiders. And, You've and, only and, seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and and Kingdom. Ooh. Yeah. So we could we we could do a we can do an indie episode too. Are you gonna watch the movies? No, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the worst. All right. Before this gets too out of hand, is there anything that you want to promote? Um, I watched. I finished Lennox Hill. On Netflix, I I I'm not, I might have I may have uh, shouted it out before, but if I but I can't praise it enough. I don't I don't think you have. What is Lennox Hill? Lennox Hill is a documentary on Netflix about a hospital in New York called Lennox Hill. Oh, okay, okay. You we talked about it in person. Yes, and it's amazing. I finished it. It is absolutely fantastic. If probably the best documentary I've seen all year. Definitely the best documentary Netflix has ever made. Uh, I think every, I think everybody should watch it. The, the the they they did a special coronavirus episode, and then they went to the hospital during the coronavirus going on, and it was completely engrossing. It took, How many episodes is it? Eight, eight episodes, and and the coronavirus episode is thirty minutes. If you just want to watch that, like it's completely fine for you just to watch that. You won't really like get like. Uh, a super big grasp on the characters because it's that's already going but like I, I yeah the stories it tells are so human and the access that it has and the way people are just like so open to the camera that's exactly what i want in a good documentary and that does it in space letting so there was this um i was staying at my grandparents one time and my grandparents watch a ton of tv and one of the shows they were watching was this it was a medical documentary series that followed a group of doctors, and I thought it was really engrossing. Yeah, and engaging. What was it and called? I'll never forget. I don't remember. Hmm. It. I think it only got one season, but I I was hooked on it after one episode, and I'll never forget that there was a guy who came in to the hospital to get a vasectomy, and he had pierced his penis by himself. And the doctor was like, you did it by yourself? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. <laughs> That's, first of all, what? Now I, now I need to see this. <laughs> and it, it, it was done very respectively. It yeah. wasn't like an MTV documentary. No, 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 no. But the thing about, like, these hospital documentaries, it's, it's literally life and death. So, like, you, the, stakes, the stakes can literally not be higher, right? And so all you need to do is just like empathize the person like as a person. 
and that's a hard thing to do sometimes but like i it's 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 such a it's such a it's such a great uh idea what are you watching i have not watched a tv show in a long time because that makes me tired to even think about but uh, i have been watching a lot of movies so uh to stick with the theme of quentin tarantino I highly recommend Jackie Brown and Death Proof. They were the only two that I had not seen before. And Jackie Brown is different than any Tarantino that I had seen. And Death Proof has a great Kurt Russell character and one of the best car chases of all time ever committed to film, I think. So I recommend those two. And something completely different. I saw this sci-fi time travel movie with Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook called... Predestination, or Sarah Snook. That sounds familiar. She's on that show Succession. Oh, interesting. I watch that show, you know. I hear it's good. Yeah, it is good. Rank them. Rank the ta- rank the, the rank the Reno movies. Oh, right now my list is. Hold on, let me pull up Letterboxd. My list is Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction. Kill Bill 1 and 2, Hateful 8, just because this was off the cuff, but this is where it gets murky. Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs are 6 and 7, just because I've only seen them once. I think I would put Django maybe higher than Hateful 8. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as 9 and Death Proof as 10, just because I've only seen Death Proof once, and there was... Also sort of a pacing issue, but that may be remedied on a second watch. Okay, so so update your list right now. Uh, So, Inglorious, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, 1 and 2, Django, Hateful Eight, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, Hollywood, Death Proof. Jackie Brown's better than Reservoir Dogs. I think so. Hmm. But you like Reservoir Dogs, but like... uh, What was your issue issue with Reservoir Dogs? Three of these movies I've only seen once, so it's hard for me to have a definitive opinion. And I want to reiterate that I don't think Tarantino has made a bad film. I like all these films. I think they are all good. Yeah. So, but some of them have sixes. No, the lowest I would give one of his movies is a seven. Okay. Okay. Because the lowest I would give his movies is a six. And that's that's the absolute lowest. And that would have been... I would, yeah. And of what you've seen, what would you put your uh, list in order? My list would be Inglorious, and then Reservoir, and then... Reservoir is so high, huh? I mean, I haven't seen Kill Bill, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I can't believe you haven't seen Kill Bill. And then maybe Pulp Fiction? No, Django, and then, I don't know. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction in a long time, so I don't, I I don't think it's fair. But I remember liking Pulp Fiction and and and, and Django around the same amount, and then everything else is whatever. <laughs> Your homework is to watch Kill Bill and Jackie Brown. I I, I I'd sooner watch Jackie Brown than Kill Bill, but okay. Why don't you want to watch Kill Bill? It's long, and I don't feel like it's got like a lot of stuff to it. It I, does. I feel like I just kind of just she just kind of kills people. <laughs> he does. i i think you would like it okay i think you would like it a lot okay. and you you don't have to watch it all in one sitting you can watch volume one they're both two hours long yeah maybe maybe 
But I like the but I I like the long drawn out talky Tarantino, right? Like the Reservoir Dogs and the Hateful Eights. Well, I forgot about Hateful Eight. Yeah. And there's quite a bit of talking in the Kill Bill. Is there? Okay. There is. Okay. You haven't seen it. You don't know. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I probably should have disclosed this to you before we chat. So doing this episode. Yeah, I thought you had seen more than you had. Yeah. But that was good. Alright, this has been another episode of Super Serious Movie Men. I am Daniel. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you.